Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayerful attention to John chapter 6 and reading for our text, verse 37. Verse 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. John 6 verse 37 This morning we stand in time. Time that was created by God. We stand also as sinners. Sinners under the sentence of death. Sinners that have an immortal, eternal soul stand also in a time of grace, a time when the gospel is proclaimed. And it is a time that links eternity past and eternity to come. You and I have never been to heaven. We have not been the other side of the grave. We do not know what shall unfold there except as it is revealed to us through the word of God and in time by the calling of God, the quickening of his people by his grace. On the other hand, when we look back and we go to eternity past, then we have never been there either. And those things that were done there, those things that have been done and purposed in God, we have not been party to that as in seeing it and witnessing it. And yet we know that all that are in time were involved in what happened in eternity past, and in eternity to come will either be in heaven or in hell, and yet what is common with all they pass through this time. And so it is vital that we realise that what happens between the time that we are born and the time we die will reveal to us and it will reveal to those round about us too what interest we had in eternity past in God and what interest we will have in God in eternity to come. We cannot really emphasise the importance of paying heed to what God's Word says, God reveals in His Word that unlocks these mysteries, these things that are hidden. We read that that which is revealed belong unto us and to our children. But that which is hidden, that belongs unto God. But God has revealed enough in his word so that we can look back and see our interest in Christ. We can look forward and see our interest in Christ as well. And our text then 
we are told two things in this text. Two things that reveal to us our interest in the gospel, in our Lord Jesus Christ. The two things here are that there are a people given by the Father to the Son. We're told that very clear here. All that the Father giveth me. Then we have how we shall know we were given by the Father to the Son. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. So there's two parts to knowing that we were given by the Father to the Son. So I want to look at these two points this morning. They are vital. It concerns us each. It is vital for us to know. And if we are not concerned or not bothered whether we have assurance or not, whether we really are able to say that we are the Lord's and that it is well with us, if we have not that assurance, it should should concern us. We should ask of the Lord that he give it to us and pay heed to the word of God and what is said of those true tokens. Remember, Rahab, when the spies came to her and she knew that God had given Jericho into their hand, the land of Canaan, and that they were commanded to slay everyone, she desired of them life. She desired of it, even though it didn't seem that there was any provision for any in Canaan to be saved. And she desired a token, a true token. And she was given the true token and she was given life. And she remained in Israel and was in the line to Christ. And we have greater warrant even today in the gospel to look for those tokens and to look for life and to seek of life from the Lord. So I want to then look at these Two points. Firstly, though, to see clearly that there are a people that were given by the Father to the Son. Those that our Lord refers to here, not only some, but all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. The Father is given to the Son. Now, Our Lord in John 10 speaks of himself as the good shepherd. And in that discourse regarding himself as the good shepherd, he also speaks of his people as his sheep, my sheep. Hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish, neither shall any man Pluck them out of mine hand. And then he says this, My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. 
So our Lord clearly says that he has sheep, they are his sheep, my sheep, and that the Father gave them to him. We read in the Paul's epistle to the Ephesians in the first chapter, verse 14, that uh, the, in fact, it is earlier on in that chapter where it speaks of the uh, interest that we have in him, verse 4, verse 4, not 14, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. And we also have in uh, the epistle to James, James chapter 2 and verse 5, Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him? When Paul writes to, the, uh, writes to Timothy, he says to him in his second epistle, Chapter 1, verse 9, Who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. It is to be chosen in Christ from the foundation of the world. We are told that the love of God to his people is an everlasting love. I have, yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love and therefore with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Jeremiah 31 and verse 3. And so the scriptures are very clear. Those that are with the Lord are chosen, they are called, they are faithful but they are chosen not in time, but before time. They're chosen in the Lord Jesus Christ. They're given by the Father to the Son, and they were given to him with a specific purpose and in covenant to redeem, to save them, to Deliver them from their sins. His name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save them from their sins. And it's inseparable, the gift of the Father to the Son is to what the Son was to do relative to those people. And it was relative that they were sinners. The hymn writer says, He saw me lost and ruined in the fall, and love me notwithstanding all. Another illustration in the word of God is that of a surety. Remember Judah when uh, Benjamin was to go up to Egypt. Jacob did not want him to go. Judah said that he would be surety for him. That is, if anything threatened Benjamin's life, 
then Judah would step in and take that punishment instead of Benjamin. He would look after him. Well, he made that promise before ever there was any threat on Benjamin, before ever Joseph required that Benjamin, because the cup was found in his uh, sack, was to be kept in Egypt and the rest of them go back. It was only then that Judah came forward and said that I was surety for him. I will go in his place. I will stay instead of him. And the point is that that surety, that arrangement, that agreement is made even before it was apparent that there was a need for it. And the provision in the Lord Jesus Christ for his people before ever they were born, before ever they had done good or evil, before ever they realised they needed a saviour, that provision is already made in the Lord Jesus Christ. For those before Christ came, they died in faith of what he would do for them. For us in the gospel, we by faith view what he has done at Calvary. We view his life, a perfect life, a sinless life, a life that is to be our righteousness, imputed or put to our account. We view his death as the one sacrifice that uh, takes away the wrath of God, that satisfies justice, that makes atonement for sin, that redeems us from the curse of the law, that brings in an everlasting righteousness. And these things, the people that were given to the, from the Father to the Son, he was given so that he did all these things for them. He had laid on him the iniquity of us all. The bold statement in Psalm 80, verse 17, I think you'll find, Let thy hand be upon the man at thy right hand, the Son of Man, that thou madest strong for thyself. The wrath of God falling on him and not on those that were given him of his Father. All that the Lord did, he did because of the love to his Father by the commandment given him and the love to his dear people. And we need to be very clear then that there is, there are a people given by the Father to the Son. And why? Why they were given to him, in what condition, and what he has done for them, and what he has finished on Calvary for them, and what he shall continue to do as their advocate with the Father in heaven appearing in the presence of God for us. So it's very important. We might not know who those people were. We might not know how they described. We might not know what the Lord Jesus Christ even was to do for them. But it's important for us to know there is a people. They were chosen they were given by the Father to the Son. And to know, are we amongst them? Are we amongst those people? 
Are our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Are we amongst those that were being have an interest in that covenant before time began? You think of another illustration. We have King David and Saul's household. In King Saul's lifetime, he asked that he would show kindness to his seed. Before that, Jonathan, whom David much loved in the Lord, had also made a covenant agreement with David that he would show kindness to his seed. That was an agreement and covenant that David, when he became king, he wanted to honour. And so Mephibosheth, who was lame in both his feet, was brought to the king's table, ate of the king's table, and his life was preserved more than once. And it was all because of that covenant that was done and arranged before even he was born. And yet he had an interest in it. And so it is with the people of God. God has known before the world all that ever should be born. He has known all that he had loved with an everlasting love. We do not know why. There's no reason in us. There's no looking into time and saying, oh, that looks a good person, I'll choose him. No, it is just his sovereign love, sovereign grace bestowed upon a people first, in choice and giving and later on in what is done in time. So our Lord says, All that the Father giveth me. May our real desire be this morning that we know that we were given by the Father to the Son. These are not just theories. They're not just Doctrines, they are, but they're those things that affect you and I. We have an eternal soul. One day we shall stand before this God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One day it shall be in eternity, either in heaven or in hell. And it behoves us not to brush over or treat lightly any of these truths that tell us here in time, here in time is made known these eternal things. We think of Psalm 84, he shall give grace and glory. The two things are joined together, joined together. No good thing shall he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Not because they walk uprightly, they're given glory, but they walk uprightly as a fruit of their union with their Lord. So I want to then look secondly at how, how we shall know. The scriptures are not silent as to how we shall know. If we did not have the word of God, we would be totally ignorant. We wouldn't know 
about a people given by the Father to the Son. We wouldn't know about what was done at Calvary. We would not know anything of the teaching, the doctrine, the history of Israel uh, in a spiritual sense. We would not know the promises of God, the blessings of God, what God has done for his people. The word of God, may it be again to us as we come to, to this point, to reaffirm to us how vital the word of God is to us. Is it precious to us? Are we careful about what version we use, wanting to know the truth, wanting to not to have verses or words left out, but to know exactly what God has said? May we have a very high regard to the word of God. Every word of God is pure. And the Lord says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. And it is then in the word of God that we have described to us how we shall know. Well, the first way is that we come to Christ as described in the scriptures themselves. Our Lord says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. Now, by nature, it is very clear, and that which follows on, that none can actually come of their own. In verse 44, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. And this is where we get a real emphasis on this being a true token. This is linking to eternity past. In our text, we have the Father giving, giving a people. In verse 44, we have the same Father drawing him, drawing to the Son. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. And so there is the true token. That is why it is absolutely vital that that wrought in us is of God and it is not coming from us, not our choice, our way, our will, but this is the work of God, the power of God, a people made willing in the day of God's power. And that is absolutely vital to realise that. To those that come, they are drawn, they are attracted. We know what it is if we have a magnet and we have a piece of metal. We put that magnet nearer and nearer to the metal and then you, you feel the drawing, you feel the pull that pulls the two things together. And this is what is spoken of here. You can't see the magnetic force, but you can feel it. You know the effect of it. And it brings two things that are apart, and it brings them together, and it holds them together. Now, when I was in engineering, we used to use magnets that were two inches square and a metre long, and we used to use them on elevators so that 
we could raise up steel cans from the floor right up into the top of a building and you had to be very, very careful. Handling those, you always had to use gloves and be very careful. If you put your fingers between those two magnets and they came together, you'd lose your fingers. The strength of the power of that. You think of the MRI machines. If you had a wheelchair, a steel wheelchair, go into the room where they were and that was on, that wheelchair would fly across the room into the machine. The power of that machine is tremendous. And it is spoken of here as a power that in uh, Ephesians chapter 1, when the apostle would tell them what it was that brought them to believe, he said it is the same power that brought the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead that was put forth in them to bring them to believe. Now we know there's many imitations of it. There's many that think they believe. There are many that think they come and they come to the Lord Jesus Christ. But they're not coming in the way of the scriptures. They're not coming as described here. So it's vital that it is shown to be that the coming is as the scriptures describe. So it is drawn. Another way is coming as a sinner, a lost and ruined sinner. Remember the name given to our Lord is Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. If one says that they are coming to the Lord, they are seeking after him, but they don't profess to be sinners, they don't feel it, they don't groan under it, they don't feel the sore, they don't feel the malady. One of our hymns says, Nor are men willing to have the truth told, the sight is too killing for pride to behold. If we do not believe that our sins deserve eternal wrath, that we are under the sentence of death, and that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, there's no way that it can be a real coming at all. We might have a person that says, oh, I've been cured by cancer. I, I, I came to this specialist and I was cured. But then it was found they'd never had it in the first place. What a difference between someone who really knows it, has all the symptoms of it, is groaning under it, that knows it is a sentence of death and they go to a specialist and they are attracted to them because of what they've got and that healing is then, if they are healed, a real healing. It needs to be the reality of being a sinner. The blessing in in Matthew 6 is upon those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. That is, they have none of their own, no goodness in thought, in word, in deed, such sinners. And they then, feeling their sinnership, don't just say, well, it doesn't matter. Not really such a bad sinner. And anyway, I do some good charity works and... and uh, uh, I, I go to the house of God regularly and I take part in services regularly and I've been brought up under the sound of the truth. It'd be all right for me. Such are deceiving themselves if they ever think that they have come, come to the Lord because unless we come really as one, 
that fears their sin, that needs saving from their sin, not once, but every day, day by day, a daily battle with sin, a daily feeling the corruption within, a daily needing to be saved from our sins. That is the way we come. Not just once, but all the time to the Lord. Lord, save me from this burden. Save me from this sin. Deliver me from the power and dominion of it. They'll be coming like the publican did. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. What a contrast. The Pharisee, he could only speak of the good things he'd done, not at all of his sin or his need of mercy. And there we have told how we are to come. But it is also coming owning Christ as Lord. By nature we want to be our own master, we want to be our own Lord. We'll choose out how we worship, we'll choose out what we do. We want to be in control of our own destiny. But in coming to the Lord, we come unto him as Lord. Our Lord said to those in his day, he called me Lord and you say, well, so because so I am. But you do not the things that I say. And so it is coming as owning him as Lord. It is coming as willing to obey him, to follow him, coming to be taught of him. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest unto your souls. It is following him, taking up our cross, and that will be separating, come ye out from among them. Touch not the unclean thing, I will receive you. You shall be my sons and my daughters. It is actually walking in a way that the Lord leads us in, as in John 10. When he putteth forth his sheep, he goeth before them. And it is in this way that we come to Christ. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. Coming to the Lord in prayer. Coming to the Lord coming to his word, receiving it all as his word, not some of man's word and some of God's word. No, every word of God is pure. Coming to the Lord as one that is able to do far above all that we can ask or think is coming to the Lord in the way that is set forth before us in the word, not once, but day by day and hour by hour. And so there is the, the token, the evidence, maybe an encouragement to those of you that feel your sinnership, you feel your lack of any righteousness of your own, you feel your need of the Lord day by day, None but Jesus, says the hymn writer, can do as any good. 
I could from all things parted be, but never, never, Lord, from thee. Or the Apostle, he says, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear. Remember, our Lord says later on in this passage, except ye eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Son of Man, ye have no life in you. And later on he clarifies it, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. What a test this is, is coming to the Lord. Those that came round about him when he was on earth, they heard his word, they received his word. And what is set forth in this chapter, uh, very much as a sinner coming to the Lord, is to receive of his words. Thy words were found and I did eat them, says Jeremiah. They were to the joy and rejoicing O my soul, that is the manna from heaven. That is the the crumbs from the master's table, the handfuls of purpose. That is the spiritual food that belongs to those that come to the Lord. They come as hungry. They come as thirsty. They come as needy sinners. They come to him, not with flattering words, but with a real, real need, a real felt need. And this then gives the true token, the true evidence of one that was given by the Father to the Son. This is one of the shells. It's not just some of those given, but all. And it's not just might be, it shall come. And when we think of his name of Jesus, he shall save his people from their sins. Our Lord says in another place, as reproving of the scribes and the Pharisees, ye will not come unto me that ye might have life. So there is another evidence of that true coming. You might feel this morning lifeless, and cold, and dead, and carnal, and have no life in yourself. But may we be drawn, drawn to the Lord, who has life to give. I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish. And he's coming in that way. We sung of it in our first hymn, of that coming to the Lord, just as sinners, just as we are, weak, lost, ruined in the fall, and there is the evidence of the true work of God. It is the work of God to make a sinner to be drawn to Christ. And its sinners can say, and none but they, how precious is the Saviour. And so we, we must not pass by on this. If sin troubles us day by day and we can just say well it'll be all right we can live with that we hope it's all right there's not a token for us but if sin is a daily trouble a daily affliction then and we're drawn to christ because of that there is the token sometimes we might think well if I didn't have this sin, if I didn't have these temptations, if I didn't have these besetting sins, I'd be a much better Christian. I'd serve the Lord a lot better. He wouldn't, you know. 
you'd have no need of Christ. You'd have no need of him to deal with your sins, to deliver them. The cause that is too hard for you, bring it unto me. And our sins are too hard for us. We cannot manage them. Now the disciples, when the Lord came down from the mount, they had a man that had a son that cast himself into the fire and into the water. They tried to heal him. They couldn't. The Lord says, bring him unto me. And the Lord healed him. But they couldn't. They didn't know what to do with the woman of Samaria and the woman of Canaan. Send her away. She crieth after us. For the Lord knew how to deal with her. And you know, she wasn't put off by the disciples. She wasn't put off even by things that the Lord said to her. When the Lord said it, the, uh, it's not me to take the children's bread and to give it unto dogs, she said, Yea, Lord, but the dogs eat of the crumbs that call forth from the master's table. The Lord says, Great is thy faith, be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And it was seen how she would not be put off. She kept coming and coming, even though uh, discouraged. And we think of the blind man crying by the wayside, Lord, have mercy, have mercy upon us. And the, the crowd says, you hold your peace, you be quiet. And they cry the more. And the Lord stop, what wilt thou that I should do unto thee, Lord, that we might receive our sight. They had a need and that made them really cry. It's a real test. Now, if we just think that we need it, but don't really, we'll easily be put off, won't we? Now, if we really think, well, our illness is not so bad, it doesn't matter if it waits till tomorrow or next week, but if we realise it is bad, then we'll do everything that we can to get that healing now. Mind's an urgent, pressing case. Him rider takes it up, doesn't he? I can no denial take when I plead for Jesus' sake. And he's pressing, pressing after Christ, coming unto him. And we are to uh, do this. If, if we feel our sin, don't give up. Don't, don't despair. Don't think that the gospel is not for you or that Christ is not for you because you feel your sinnership and feel so helpless, so far off. No. Do you see that in Christ that holds out hope, that sees you, you see in him a, a way of escape? This is how the Father draws, and this is what gives a, a token. And it's in a, almost a, a contrary way, an opposite way to what we would think. The way is bring, making us to feel the malady and then seeing Christ the remedy and drawn after Christ. Well, then there's another evidence here. And that is really is put in the form of a promise, but we can look at it as well in the form of an evidence. Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Now, this is what is proved through life. 
Do you think of Peter? Peter was chosen by the Lord as a disciple. He came to him. <clears throat> but Peter denied him three times that he ever knew him. Was he cast out? No. I prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. He, he was brought over that time of fall, over that time of denial, and he was still a believer. Why? Because of, he said, Though all men forsake thee, yet will not I not because of that. I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. Peter is not cast out. He had to prove that. What about David? He sinned in adultery and murder. Was he cast out? The Lord through Nathan brought him to be convicted of his sin. I have sinned. And then immediately the Lord hath also put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. He wasn't cast down because he had an interest in Christ. Because he was one of those that the Father had given to the Son before the world was. The church of God, instead of being cast out, is chastened. It said of David, the sword shall not depart from thine house. In Hebrews 12, we are told that the Father chasteneth every son whom he receiveth. And notice again, we have this link, this joining together with the Father. Is the Father that gave to the Son? Is the Father that draws and it is the father that chastens and so we have the same thing my son despise not the chastening of the Lord if ye being fathers chasten your children after the spirit we had fathers of our flesh which corrected us we gave them reverence shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the father of spirits and live and so if ye be without chastisement whereof all our partakers then ye are bastards and not sons in our text is that all the father giveth in Hebrews, it's all the sons are chastened and corrected. And in 44, no man can come except the father draw. And so they're not cast away. The church of God in Isaiah 49, it says, the Lord hath forsaken me. But the Lord says, can a woman forget her sucking child, the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget Yet will I not forget thee, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands, my walls are ever before thee. And if ever we have an example, we think of Israel of old. Israel of old. As they came out of Egypt and through that wilderness 40 years, and even in Canaan, were they a holy people, an upright people, were they a people that did not try the Lord to the quick and provoke him to anger? They murmured, they complained, uh, they desired flesh instead of manna. Uh, they provoked Moses' spirit so that he struck the rock twice. They made the golden calf. They 
offered strange fire and in the, in the Canaan they took up with the gods of the land. But because of the Lord's covenant, he did not forsake them. He preserved him a light in Judah and our Lord came as promised. With all the wanderings of our hearts, not all the sins, not all the provocations, it proves that love of God and it proves every time the Lord restores, every time he brings us to his feet, every time he gives repentance, remember the Lord is exalted to give repentance and remission of sins unto Israel. There is a token as if the Lord would say to us, I will not cast you out. I'll chasten you, but I haven't cast you out yet. We might look back over our lives and be so ashamed of sins after sins after sins. So many departures. May the Lord give us to truly know he has blotted them out. But the Lord hasn't yet cast us away. And I believe that he will never will. He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. He had known what we were as sinners and that's why he's provided in his beloved Son to save us from our sins. There's no man that doeth good and sinneth not. Sin is mixed with all we say and all we do and yet even in those sins it is in the life of God within that the Lord Jesus Christ is made precious to us and these two tokens, these two evidences and two ways of knowing that we are given by the Father to the Lord Jesus Christ is shown in our text that we come as the scriptures describe to the Lord Jesus Christ and that in spite of our sins we are not cast away but we're kept in the faith and kept in his way and he that endureth unto the end, the same shall be saved. May we truly know that great blessing of knowing that our names were written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We were chosen and therefore we were drawn, we were called and it is a certain then that when death comes we shall depart and to be with Christ which is far better drawn to him in time and brought to him in eternity when death puts an end to life. So may the Lord grant us that we might truly know this, know this uh, great blessing, this secret of the Lord which is with them that fear him. Amen.